who knows what God's plan is, <laughs> is to actually complete our almost two-year-long series in Matthew's Gospel. I don't want myself to have the attitude, okay, now we're done. No, we want to sit at the feet of Jesus. We want to sit at the feet of Jesus. One of the things is in our Wednesday meeting there in, the, in Paul's letter to the Galatians, one of the things that we noted is that the Apostle Paul was in Arabia for a long, long time being personally trained by Jesus. Did you hear that? Being personally trained by Jesus. I mentioned last week, I believe, the account of that Iranian town in the mountains where the imam of the mosque Jesus appeared to that man and he came into the kingdom and then Jesus used that man to walk the entire town into his kingdom. And the way we found out about that was that these two men from Tehran who were taking the carton of Bibles in their car up to a, another town, they stopped in the middle of the desert. Their, their steering was stuck. They stopped where they couldn't make the curve. And they're in the middle of the desert and steer standing beside the road in the middle of the desert were two men. And they got out of their car wary because they're Christians in a Muslim land. And these two men walked up to them and said, are you the men with the Bibles? Uh, what are you talking? Well, our, and they explained what had happened. Our imam was visited by Jesus and Jesus ushered him into the actual kingdom. And since then, the entire town has been brought into the kingdom. And Jesus told our imam to send us down here and wait right here in this spot by the road because there would be some men bringing Bibles to us. Persian Bibles. <laughs> are you the men with the Bible? Uh, yes, we are, as a matter of fact. And they gave them... Jesus, Richard Wormbrandt, tortured for Christ, Romanian Lutheran pastor in a Romanian dungeon, late 40s, really into the early 60s. He said, there were, a, there were times when the wall would begin to just move and Jesus would step out and spend time with me. And it was so for each of the pastors down that, this whole row of cells were occupied by people who were there for no other reason than loyalty to Jesus. And Jesus came and spent time with us. Jesus will spend time with you. As you open His Word, He Himself will cause things to jump off the page. Even passages that I, you thought you had all nailed down and you had it all figured out, all of a sudden will erupt with something that you didn't have any idea was there. Because Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. For each of us. That's not just for apostles. That's just, we're all special in his eyes. The last 
brief paragraph of chapter 27, Jesus has undergone his illegal trial during the night with the Jewish leadership. Then they brought him, as the sun came up, they brought him to Pontius Pilate, who could find no fault in this man, this just man. And he stood Jesus before the multitude with Barabbas. Which of these? Because there was a tradition that they would release a prisoner immediately before this high and holy day. And the crowd, the multitude, because they had been trained to do so by the Jewish leadership, they cried out for Barabbas, this well-known criminal, to be released. Well, what about Jesus, Pilate asked, who is called Christ, your own Messiah? What of Him? Crucify Him. Why? He is a just man. I can find no fault in this man, said the Roman governor. What about Him? Crucify Him. Crucify Him. And Pilate had them bring out a bowl of water and he washed his hands of this. I'm washing my hands of the blood of this man. And the multitude cried out, let his blood be on us and on our children. And and Pilate gave Jesus over to be crucified. And they ripped the flesh off of his back with that whip. Then they mocked him. Then they crucified him. Then Joseph of Arimathea And the women are standing back. The women from Galilee are standing back watching. And Joseph of Arimathea had received permission to take the body of Jesus from Pilate. So he takes the body of Jesus, wraps it in an expensive linen cloth, puts him in his own tomb that he had paid a fortune to have hewn out of solid rock. He rolls a stone down Weighing three to four thousand pounds, this stone is rolled down. And then the Jewish leadership realizes they've got a problem. Verse 62 On the next day, the high Passover day, that time when normally we will stay away from that foul fellow Pilate on this day of all days. Ooh, we have a problem. And so the Jewish leadership went to Pilate, defiling themselves, by the way, just to be in his presence. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the day of Jesus' crucifixion, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people he has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard, now get out of here. He's already totally disgusted with these people. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So he gives them a Roman guard. 
Their, their guards have no authority outside the temple. This is a Roman guard granted to them by Pilate. Make it, you have a guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. What does this seal accomplish? A wax seal. What's that going to do? As far as a physical barrier, it is nothing. <clears throat> but it is a huge statement for the Roman guard. Because when they sealed that, it meant their lives are forfeit if that seal gets broken. Their lives are on the line to make sure that seal does not get broken. And here it is, the high Passover, the guard is set, the seal is set. They only have to make it through another 24 hours, through the third day, which is Sunday. From sundown Saturday to sundown Sunday. They only need to, cover, to guard that. And their lives are on the line. And... The Jewish leadership leaves. They leave the Roman guard there. We've got this all fixed, all settled. Famous last words. Chapter 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, so sundown Saturday, the Sabbath is completed. We're after the Sabbath. We're into the next day, which is sundown Saturday to sundown Sunday. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn. So it's dawn on Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, whom we know from the previous context, is actually Jesus' own mother. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. <clears throat> now they, in all likelihood, have no idea that the Roman guard has been set or anything. They're just coming to see the tomb. What's, what's the situation now? The Sabbath is over. We're free. The sun is just coming up. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. A three to 4,000 pound stone is not a problem for an angel. He rolled back the stone and sat on the stone. What about the Roman guard? Notice verse 3. His countenance was like lightning. His countenance was like lightning. And his clothing as white as snow. And the guards, these fierce Roman soldiers and the guard shook for fear of him and fainted dead away and became like dead men. There's just so much you can emotionally handle without just checking out. And down they went. Not the two women, notice. <laughs> but the Roman guard, they saw what they saw, what they saw and fainted. Verse 5, but the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. Well, that's 
if you're looking at a man who has a countenance at an angel who has a countenance like lightning and so forth who's just rolled this uh, one and a half to two ton stone away you might have reason to be afraid do not fear for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified they came just to see what the situation was they don't know by the way that Joseph of Arimathea had been joined by Nicodemus and that they had wrapped more linen with all the spices, a fortune in spices around Jesus. They don't know that that has happened. They had only seen Joseph wrap him in a cloth and then take him away and put him in the tomb. They don't know this other had happened. So they're there with their spices. They're going to hopefully do something He is not here, for He is risen. As He said over and over and over. And I would dare say there was a divine deafness. Yes, they, they and the disciples will all remember He did say to us repeatedly, the Jewish leadership knew. What did they say to Pilate? That deceiver said He would be raised on the third day. They knew it. It was well-known declaration. He is not here, for He is risen. As He said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. When He rolled the stone away, it wasn't to let Jesus out. Jesus was already gone. As we know from other accounts about Jesus following the earth, He could walk through walls. He would suddenly appear in places. And so that stone, He said, simply walked through it. And the Roman soldiers thought He was still in No, He was gone. And so the stone was rolled away to disclose that he had already left. Come, see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Assignment done. <laughs> Assignment done. I have told you. There you will see him. So they went out quickly from the tomb. They went into the tomb, saw that he was gone. Not just taking the angel's word for it. They saw that he was gone. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Could you imagine? You're the first human beings to get the word of the resurrection and you have seen this angel you have information nobody else on the planet has. <laughs> what a burden. What a privilege. What a responsibility to, with fear and great joy. All the misery that they had experienced three days before is gone. It's evaporated. It's been replaced completely with the most powerful, joy-generating event in human history. So they went out and quickly, went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, 
rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. They fell at his feet, threw their arms around his, his feet, his lower legs. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city. The Roman guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. Annas, Caiaphas, you other fellows, we saw an angel descend from heaven with the appearance of lightning. He rolled the stone away, broke the seal, sat on the stone, and that's the last thing we remember until we came back to our senses. And here we are. Why did they go to the Jewish leadership? Well, the Jewish leadership had set them in place. They knew what their responsibility was. But principally, because that seal was broken. Their lives are forfeit. That's the Roman policy. They are Roman soldiers. But they go to the Jewish leadership and tell them what they saw. I want you to realize, they, they tell them what they saw. But let me remind you of this. Those, this, those same Jewish religious leaders had seen Jesus cleanse lepers, had seen him heal uncountable multitude of sick people, diseased people. They had seen him raise the dead. Many of them actually were standing there when Lazarus was called out of his tomb. And that was such a powerful testimony, we're told. That's in John chapter 11. John chapter 12, they've actually had decided to kill Lazarus because he was too big a proof for Jesus. Are they interested in the evidence? Are they going to follow the evidence where it leads them? No, they're not. They don't care what the evidence says. They hate Jesus. They hate the God whom they're supposed to be leading people in the worship of. They can read the Hebrew Scriptures. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. They know what the Hebrew Scriptures say about what Messiah would accomplish, but they're more interested in their religious, with their power, and their, the wealth that is coming to them because they have turned the temple into a criminal enterprise. And they don't care what the God whom they are supposed to be the high priests leading in the worship of, they don't care about His agenda at all. Now while they, the women, were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. These are the same men that had told Pilate, we need a guard because this deceiver said he would rise on the third day. No surprise here. When they had assembled with the elders, so this isn't just one or two people. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. 
Now, they had already paid Judas Iscariot 30 pieces of silver, which he threw back into the temple and went and hanged himself. That 30 pieces of silver was enough to buy a plot of land uh, that would be a cemetery. <laughs> it was a lot. How much more do you suppose they paid these Roman soldiers? Keep your mouth shut about what you saw. How much do you suppose they paid them? They, paid, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers saying, tell them, the people, his disciples came at night and stole away Stole him away while we slept. Okay, folks, it's all they've got. It's dumb. It's dumb. What do you mean, while you slept? Your lives were on the line that would keep you away. You're gonna, are you, you know, if you know you can die by falling asleep because you fell asleep, isn't that sufficient reason to keep you awake? Even if you want to sleep, you're going to be they stole, and if you're asleep, how do you know what happened? I mean, just this is all ridiculous. But it's all they've got. It's all they have. It's similar to earlier in Matthew's Gospel when Jesus has cast demons out of this man and the Jewish leadership are there and there's a great multitude who've watched this and they say, oh, well, yes, he did it, but he does it by the power of Beelzebub, the devil. And Jesus says, oh, give me a break. So Satan is fighting against Satan, right? Yeah, right. No. This is just as, this is even worse. While we slept, we know exactly what was happening around us while we were asleep. But it's all they have. And if this comes to the governor's ears who might execute you, we will make we will appease him and make you secure. So they've got a double incentive. Not only have they been paid a large amount of money, but they've got the incentive of, we don't want word to get out because Pilate might. We're subject to execution if Pilate chooses to do it. And they have promised to save our lives. So they've got a huge incentive to push this lie, as silly as it is. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying, now Matthew's gospel is being written several years later. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Well, you know what? When you want to believe something or not believe something, any reason is good enough. Any reason is good enough. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. They know he's God. Throughout Matthew's Gospel, all the Gospels, we've had in proofs that Jesus is Yes, he is true man of true man. He is also true God of true God. Remember that incident where they're, in, they're sitting in Peter's house in Capernaum and the house is filled with people and these fellows are bringing a, a, a paralyzed young man on a cot 
and they can't get into the house where Jesus is, where he can be healed. So they climb up on Peter's roof. And I just love this. You know, they had tile roofs. And so they climbed up on Peter's roof, which is flat, but it's tile. And they're peeling the tile. Could you imagine being Peter? What's going on with my... <laughs> They're taking the... And then they let him down on ropes right in front of the middle of this crowded room. And what are Jesus' first words to this young man? Your sins are forgiven you. And the Jewish leaders there, that's blasphemy! Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, they're right. Actually, they're totally correct. And Jesus turns to them and he says, what's harder? To forgive sins or to heal someone? It's actually... Yes, only God can. But it's an invisible miracle. You can't see the forgiveness of sin. In order that you might know that I, the Son of Man, which is their favorite term for Messiah, have the authority on earth to forgive sins, which means, yes, you're right, I am, it is something only God can do. I'm God. He turns to the young man, the paralyzed young man, says, rise, take up your bed and go home. I'll prove that I can do the invisible miracle by doing the visible miracle. And the man, young man immediately stands up, rolls up his cotton, heads to the house. He is God. He is God. He is God. And they worshipped him and they worshipped him. And throughout Matthew's Gospel, we have seen as people have come asking Jesus to do things that only God could do, Matthew states it that way. In their request, that's an act of worship. They are recognizing his godhood. They worshipped him, but some doubted. How can this be? Well, it's easy for us 2,000 years distance <laughs> to be, oh, come on, guys. He told you. It. But you are the one who is witnessing it? You are the one who is witnessing it? You know, one of the things folks, that we do often to disqualify ourselves from the miracle is, you know what? I got no problem with the idea that Daryl can be delivered in that way. But I'm sitting here in my cell and I know what I'm like. I really... We disqualify ourselves from miracles because we think we're not worthy of it. Well, in a way you're not, but it's really about God, not you. It's really about God, not you. And they're like, wow, can this be true? Yes. They worship, but some doubt it. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. When Jesus left heaven, when God the Son left heaven and became a man, true God of true, he, he did not leave behind any of the moral features of his deity. He left behind his omniscience, his omnipotence, and his omnipresence. He did not leave behind the holiness. He is fully God. He set aside the independent use of those and became dependent upon the provision of the Father, just as we are. He walked a life of faith 
in his Father, the provision of the Father and the provision of the Holy Spirit. But now, having gone through the obedience of the cross, he's been elevated to the right hand of the Father. God the Father is now sat back and said, I'm handing my stuff over to you. I've elevated you, my son, are going to be the go-to guy of the kingdom. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I am sending you Jewish fellows to the nations. And as you bring the gospel to them, and they hear and believe the message you give to them, this is the confession that I want to be their core confession. Now this is an interesting because baptism didn't start here. It didn't start with Jesus' disciples. We're told that Jesus preached the same message initially that John the Baptist preached. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And his disciples baptized people. He never baptized anyone, but they did. But John the Baptist had preached, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he baptized people. But John was a Levitical priest. And he was actually doing what Levitical priests do when they, someone comes to Israel, comes to the camp, maybe from another nation, and they say, I want to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Levitical priests will go down through the material. Okay, do you, under, do you understand A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J? Do you understand all these things to be? Yes, I do. And the Levitical priest is, is sure that they're being authentic. And so they would bring, they would call the camp together, they call the local Jews together, and they would do this cleansing ritual, which was a, a visual proof to the camp, to the people, that this fellow, this woman, is authentic in their profession. They also did that when they cleansed lepers, when the leper who had been put out of the camp sent word in, hey, I've been cleansed of my leprosy by an act of God, and the Levitical priest would come out and examine, yes, indeed. And so they would do a cleansing ritual for a leper so that people would know we can now welcome them back into the camp and not be afraid. <laughs> but here is a baptism, here is a ritual that was a public event, and what is the principal thing, number one thing there to profess? That... They were to baptize them in the name singular, not the names, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, and I mentioned this in the adult Sunday school class, gave them preview of coming attractions. Why would Jesus emphasize that? Because they're going to the nations. They're going into, a, into cultures that have, pay, they have gods by the multi, they have all kinds of gods, a pantheon of gods who are all specialists because not everyone can actually get the job done. And so they're all, the standard Gentile 
outlook on the universe is it's populated by all these gods. We have to find the one who specializes. In the... Oh, then they hear the gospel. What's the number one thing they have to get fixed in their outlook? There's one God who is total, complete, unrestrained master of all things, and that one God is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, that would not be the only thing they would need to get straight, but it is number one on the list when, it, when dealing with a pagan. They have to understand all these other gods are fakes. They're all fallen angels, in fact. They're all demons. There's only one true God, and that you need to understand the nature of his person, and that's step, that's profession number one. And so you are to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. Do you know that Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7? Do it. <laughs> and lo, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Where is he? Here. He's here. He's invisible. But he is here. In all of who he is. All the time. All the time. I am with you. And just as we were talking about earlier, Richard Warmbrandt, these other, there are occasions where you actually get the visual. But he's here even when the visual isn't. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We're coming to the Lord's table. The night of his arrest. They're having the Galilean Passover. They've already had the Galilean Passover meal. The Galileans celebrate because it was, there were just too many people in Jerusalem to have everybody do Passover at once. They couldn't <laughs> process the lambs that fast. So they actually had the separate Galilean Passover, which was from sundown Thursday until sundown Friday. And that's the, the Passover that Jesus and his disciples are celebrating. They've had the meal. Even with Judas Iscariot there, they've had the meal. And then Jesus reaches over and probably picks up the goblet that has been untouched. It's the only one that still has any wine in it. <laughs> and it's the one that was set there for Elijah. Because the promise of God about Elijah the prophet at the very close of Malachi, Elijah who did not die was taken up in a chariot to heaven. He will come before the coming great day of the Lord. And so at, even today, at every Jewish Passover meal, there is an empty place. There's an empty seat with the full, everything sitting right there with a full goblet. And Jesus picked up the goblet that was still untouched. And he took the unleavened bread off the plate <laughs> that would have been for Elijah. This is my body, but broken for you. 
this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And so he initiates the new covenant that had been promised 600 years before in Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 31. He initiates the new covenant in which God says, this isn't like the covenant of Mount Sinai, which you shattered, you broke. In this covenant, it's all on me. I will, I will, I will. Your sins and iniquities remember no more. And that's what we are reenacting here as a reminder to us why do we have why did why does the lord's supper exist some churches do it every single sunday some like us do it once a month others do it once i mean whatever there's no mandate in the scripture but why is it is to bring us back to square one is to bring us back to if you played boardwalk when you were a kid bring you back to go <laughs> bring you back to the center so that you don't get off in some distant place with the wrong center of gravity. This is to bring us back to the true center of gravity of Christian truth. Christ's work on the cross for us.